Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Medic Mornings. I'm your host, Fiona, and today I'm joined by a very, very, very special guest, the amazing Christina Alia. Yeah, hi, guys. Um, I'm Christina Alia. I'm a fourth year med student and also content creator on TikTok, post videos about how to study for exams, med school life, and just spilling the tea in general. So you go to Newcastle Medical School, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. It's just going to be unfiltered conversation. Yeah, let's get started. All right, so for everyone who doesn't know who you are already, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, currently at Newcastle. Newcastle was my first choice. It was actually my dream med school. Um, I just went to normal schools throughout my whole um, academic life. So normal GCSE school, normal sixth form. Um, I got standard GCSEs, I guess. I got five sevens, five eights, and then a couple nines. I got a couple sixes as well. So a bit of a mix. And then at A-level, I did just the classic trio that everyone does, like biology, chemistry and maths. Um, I used like a winding participation scheme to get into Newcastle. So instead of three A's, I only had to get AAB, which was quite nice. Um, and then, yeah, I've been here for the past four years. I only started TikTok maybe a year ago. Um, so I've not been that long in TikTok, but um, yeah, I really enjoy doing it. And it's it makes up a lot of my spare time when I'm not in med school now. So No, I love that. And you also post a lot of content about like A-levels, widening participation. Tell us a bit about what your followers wouldn't know about you, like maybe your hobbies or your extracurriculars or fun time. Yeah, honestly, I wish I had hobbies. Like, what do I actually <laughs> it's not medicine, it's not TikTok. But um, do you know, I love hanging out with my friends. I wish I could go yeah. out more athletic and sporty and stuff. Um, I'm quite into films. I'm excited for Creed 3 coming out soon. I'm really into boxing films, weirdly enough. <laughs> um, Creed and Southport are my favourite movies um, I'm trying to think what else do I do I quite like uh, YouTube as well YouTube's a bit tough to maintain alongside TikTok and um, medicine but I love making YouTube videos as well I get that and your YouTube channel is already like kind of flourishing but it's hard to as you said it's hard to maintain like a weekly schedule and people who do it in medical school like props to them <laughs> to them yeah literally I don't know how they do it because it's so hard but and also maintaining like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and then also passing your finals. Yeah. Sounds like a... Mission impossible. Yeah, literally impossible, like superhuman. Second question I want to ask is why did you decide to study medicine? This is going to sound so interview. <laughs> I know, never mind. Yeah, literally. Do you know what? This was one of my um, practice questions I had in one of my mock MMIs. Um, yeah, why medicine? probably the worst reason ever but I didn't know what else to do like literally I had all the grades I had everything set up to like do an academic degree I was like I may as well go do medicine um when I had my heart set on medicine I decided to do some work experience because I was like okay it's all well and good I can get in I've got the grades but like will I actually enjoy it um so I did some work experience in a ward which was really nice I, I got to go on like a neonatal ward so it was like Ooh. premature babies who would like they were so tiny like literally you'd see them in these incubator things like under all the the lights and the radiators and stuff and it was so cute that definitely like made me set on medicine like I absolutely loved that experience um and then also I did work experience somewhere else as well but I can't remember it wasn't as good as the neonatal one um <laughs> but yeah I, I mean a couple of things but in general I just couldn't see myself doing anything else I just thought like I've got the grades for medicine and I really enjoyed the experience so it just makes sense that's so special. And okay, your experience on neonatal ward, do you think that's something that you're still 
pursuing interested in as yeah, a good question yeah because since my since my work experience I've only been back on a neonatal ward like once and when I did go back it was a bit of a different experience because I was like oh my god it's a full circle moment like back then I was only like in year 12 now I'm in year three so that was that was so nice to like have a full circle moment but um I don't know it's quite tough because because it's neonatal and because they're premature it's not always like a good outcome if you know what I mean I don't know if mm. I could like do that long term but it is quite nice maybe in pediatrics where it's like healthy kids who aren't premature do you know what I mean maybe in like the older kids I, I could do it I don't know it like emotionally like it's kind of distressing at times yeah. I can get that yeah. yeah it's tough to separate emotion from work sometimes in medicine like mm. especially when it's kids like I feel like you can't help but be attached to them sometimes have you cried yet <laughs> no, oddly enough no I'm not cried yet I did have an emotional moment one time when um I was in year three and I helped out with a c-section that was emotional because it was like so intense it was so hot in like you know you're scrubbed up you've got all the equipment on you've got like the big lights it's it's very overwhelming and then like when the baby comes out and they start screaming it, it's like insane especially when you've helped to do it because I helped like yeah. hold the umbilical cord like push the stomach away like help cut it and everything like I was fully involved it was so cool Oh shit. It sounds so exhilarating as well. Yeah. Genuinely just a once in a lifetime. Not once in a lifetime, but you get what I mean. Yeah, no, I literally. Ooh, okay. What specialties do you think you're like, mm, I want to touch a bit more on? Oh, do you know what? Maybe dermatology. That seems like the soft girl speciality. Like you don't have to work too hard. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you get a chill light. I think dermatology. And I feel like you'd have good skin if you're a dermatologist as well. Like you'd know all the secrets for like clear uh-huh. skin. Yeah, I heard um like a few stories about dermatology where like the selection process is very much like seeing if you have good skin, if you look like a dermatologist. Really? <laughs> yeah, I heard about it and I was like, that's so like it's just it's just a different vibe from other specialties. Literally. But like I guess the lifestyle is good. And also you um you don't have to like stress about life or death situations a lot of the time yeah no I agree I think there's very few specialities now in medicine where it's quite chill like a lot of them all the ones in the hospital where it's like you have to do on calls night shifts you're going to be like doing you know two doctors work it's not like you're just doing one person's work because they're short of staff you're doing like so much Mm -hmm. um yeah dermatology is one of them gp is quite chill as well and then I can't really think of what are the specialties they're not there's not many a lot of them you have to work super hard yeah, they're uh, the road specialty. So I remember ophthalmology and radiology are in that. That's true. But yeah. eyes freak me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, third question How are you finding fourth year compared to your other years? So, you know, like your preclinical, how are you finding that? Oh, good question. It's a bit of a mix. Year four at my med school is so weird. So, I'm only in placement like two three days a week I don't actually have you know Monday to Friday back-to-back placement it's really chill um a lot of the teaching is like online like you have to kind of like teach yourself using the online resources and stuff so it's very self-directed like if you're not a motivated person and you're not like disciplined you probably won't get work done um it's nice (laughs) yeah literally like it's nice with all the free time because it means I can balance TikTok a bit more and I can post more consistently but then it is also like I have to motivate myself every day um in the other years it's been a lot more full-on like if it's not lectures nine to five it's placement nine to five so it's nice to have a bit of a break sometimes but I'm trying not to enjoy the free time too much because I know in year five it's going to go back to that so yeah 
what do you think was like the most like hellish and difficult year for you oh definitely year three (laughs) everyone says that everyone says that year three is so tough I think it's because you go from preclinical to clinical and it's literally like such a steep learning curve like the amount of stuff you have to learn you don't do finals in year three but you definitely have like a change in your exams like the exams are totally different and the sort of things you have to learn are different as well so you have to find your feet with like revision and like using a new revision style and also placements you know I'm sure in year two a lot of people are only on the wards maybe once a week or once every few weeks but in year three it's every day so that that in itself is just a huge Mm -hmm. change and you have to get used to like being a lemon in the corner like you only did it once a week last time now it's every single day like it's just such a massive change in all areas it's quite tough I can't relate but I'm not not, not quite excited for that yet uh it's a while away for you you've got time three years three years (laughs) um also, there's a personal question that I had. So I've heard about this thing called pimping. What's that? Pimping is like when they like cold call you, like really bully you, like the consultants or so something. It's called right. Okay, I didn't know it had a name. <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> you didn't know that it like had a name, but it does exist, does it? For sure, it does exist. Do you know what? I'll be honest, it's not all the time. Like, I know I've posted TikToks myself about this happens on the ward and this is the truth, but like, mm. not all consultants are like that. Like, I've had a handful of consultants who are just so nice and so lovely. The junior doctors are always nice. It's never the juniors, it's more like, like you said, it's the consultants. But yeah, some of them, it's it's ridiculous the way that they treat us and stuff. They literally treat you like your moldy bread in the corner. Like, they're just so horrible. But again, some of them, not all of them. <laughs> yeah, some of them. Just a disclaimer in case anyone goes up to you and be like, didn't you say that one thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm so scared of that because imagine I don't know an answer and I would just be so scared to be like, I don't know. Yeah, it's even worse when like I've had a consultant like grill me in front of the patient. Like I'm getting things wrong back to back to back. Every answer I'm getting wrong and they keep going. And it's just like I was actually on the brink of team. Like I was like, please stop. But like I don't know why they do it in front of patients. Like doesn't that undermine their confidence? And <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be confident in me. Like I'm literally about to examine them after I've got ten questions wrong. Like yeah. it's so weird. Imagine they're about to go into surgery and they're like, I hope you're not operating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. But yeah, I don't I don't know why they do that. Um it's just in front of the patient, no. But like in general, yeah. I feel like putting a bit of pressure, what everyone needs, a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> I agree. A little bit of pressure is fine. Like it's good to go out your comfort zone, but when it's like, you know, pushing someone to nearly crying and stuff, that's just too far. They, they do it to even junior doctors, I think. I don't even think it's just medical students. I think they're so old-fashioned sometimes that they like bully like anyone younger than them um so yeah it's insane it's just a hierarchy it still exists (laughs) exactly oh that's horrible okay moving on to the second part so we're going to talk a little bit about cbl so your experience with cbl explain what it is to people who don't know what it is yeah so cbl is pretty much a type of integrated learning style at med school so you'll have a combination of lectures anatomy seminars which are just uh, like small group teaching um but instead of it just being like you learn about the cardiovascular system the respiratory system it's kind of like you learn everything around a patient case so the patient case could be like like a 50 year old man with chest pain and it turns out that it's just angina um that'll be like the springboard for all of your learning for the next few weeks the cases are normally like 
a couple pages long, maybe 400 words, 500 words. I don't really know. It's quite detailed. Like you get a lot of background on their family, their own history, smoking, alcohol, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting way to teach us. A lot of the time they advertise it like it reflects real life because it does. You know, you'll see lots of patients who are 50 years old who smoke, who don't smoke and stuff like that. But yeah, it's an interesting way to learn because you'll learn about not only that patient's condition in the case, but then also other things that are similar. So you'll touch on like a lot of stuff in that bubble. Um, and even at my med school, they, they do it quite nicely because um, if we're on like maybe a skin case, like someone's got eczema, we'll go on to like a skin ward on our placements. Um, mm -hmm. We only have placements like once every six weeks. So it's nice that our placement does link in with what we're learning about. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of CBL. That's quite interesting, actually, because I feel like initially I was kind of intimidated by CBL because I was like, if you have like 50 or so cases around your entire like medical school experience yeah that kind of like fits all patients into a singular box so you're actually not learning too much about other you know like factors so maybe you see a patient and you'll be like oh my god I learned about this in my case but then they come up with different aspects like different I don't know how to explain it but different symptoms yeah and then you'll just be kind of like oh I learned about this but I'm not sure about the other part yeah, it does put patients in a box sometimes. And obviously, I'm not going to say it's just Newcastle, because I'm sure other med schools do mm -hmm. it. But sometimes they do kind of stereotype the patients a little bit. For example, I can't remember the exact case, but I think it was like someone had tuberculosis or like an infectious disease. <clears throat> and they always kind of make sure that the patient's like from a foreign country or like, <laughs> no, okay. And it's like, sometimes they are stereotyped a little bit, which is totally fine, because you know, some people with tuberculosis do come from different countries, but I think they have to recognise that not everyone, not every patient fits in a certain box. And sometimes that's what case-based learning does. It puts them all in like a little box and mm -hmm. then you might be a bit narrow-minded, but it has its pros and cons, I think. That's just one of the cons. What would you say is like a really good aspect of CBL? I think it's good that you see like the whole aspect of the patient. Like one of my friends at a different med school, she kind of just learns like physiology back to back, like everything all in one go she doesn't really separate it between cardio resp and stuff and sometimes I think it might be hard to link that in with patients if you're just learning mm -hmm. the science whereas we learn the science linked in with the patient so it kind of does help with the clinical medicine if that makes sense a little like more on a holistic side I would suppose so yeah. you get to see you know how it affects their entire body instead of just one system what do you say yeah, literally. And they, what they normally try and do is they try and include like the biopsychosocial model in each one as well. <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't know if anyone's done psychology, but they'll always talk about like, oh, financial implications. Here's how to talk about like, you know, a bereavement in the family. Here's They kind of link in all the social side of things in each case as well, which is quite good. Mm -hmm. Did you expect that much like sociology and stuff like full on STEM when you came into medical school? No, I did. There's actually quite a bit, like, especially on the exams as well. There's quite a few questions where it's talking about like the fluffy stuff, we always call it. Um, <laughs> it's not like pure science. Like they definitely try and teach you how to communicate and use empathy. Like all the all the biopsychosocial stuff in psychology, that definitely comes in. Like if anyone's doing psychology A-level, it'll definitely like help out a lot, I think. Yeah, I, I think I, okay, so I did psychology um, A-level and all it did was just turn me away from psychiatry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you know um, Shash. No, who's that? Shash. It's a man who was like, mental illness is a myth. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, if there's like, um, like chemical 
imbalances explaining schizophrenia then why yeah. it's like a physical thing so why does mental illness exist i mean i'm i'm not going to get too much into it but yeah. it's very controversial um <laughs> if you get what i mean i mean those are the sorts of debates you probably have at med school like we've had a few um <clears throat> i've got such a bad cough sorry um we've had quite a few um what do you call it like seminars like small group sessions where we kind of debate those sorts of things um it's never like planned to be a debate but it always just ends up happening like we'll be on like a biopsychosocial thing and someone will mention like similar to what you said about sash and we'll end up like debating it and going back and forth so there is a lot of that discussion happens um at med school oh in newcastle do you uh remain in the same like small groups or do you rotate is it a thing you know that's a good question because you remain in the same small group for two years um so that for a lot of people it's just called your seminar group and it's made up of maybe like 15 people um so you stick with them for two years you meet them meet up with them maybe once or twice a week um and yeah, it's good because you get to you get to have like a set group of people you'll see for a long time. But then it means like if you don't get along with them, which happens all the time, like you're stuck with them for two years. But then I know some people who become besties with their seminar group, like mm-hmm. some people go out with each other in their seminar group and then people like end up living together in year two. Um, so it's quite, yeah, it is quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> in year three, though, it changes. So you've got like a new set of a new set of people and it's a different group and then in year four it changes again so it's only like that for the first two years then it changes speaking of like changing you see new faces day in day out and like after third year I think did you say mm-hmm. um so you know how in junior like as, as as a junior doctor you often have to rotate around hospitals what what's your opinion on that like not having that continuity I'm quite scared for it you know because it's so like like random like one minute you're in this part of the country like with this like hospital team you get along with them you finally gotten into the flow of how that hospital system works and then you have to move somewhere else like I find it a bit mental and I think it's like four four months each that's how long each of the rotations are that's not that long like that's literally just like oh I just find it so weird I'm sure they've got reasons why it's that length but I, I, I don't know it's a weird amount of time. Like it's not yeah. short enough to like not care about you and not educate you, but it's not long enough to actually have that relationship with consultants and exactly. doctors. And I've heard so many people say, um, like the consultants just don't don't give a shit about teaching anymore because they're yeah. like they're gonna leave in four months. So what what's there to benefit me for? Some parts of the team, I've seen it myself, like they don't really make an effort with the juniors because you're like, they kind of see you as a bit disposable, like you're going to be gone soon. Yeah, definitely. Like sometimes they don't make an effort. I think that's why juniors tend to be quite close with each other. But then it's tough. I I know some people who manage to stay in the same place for the whole two years. I'm hoping (laughs) that I can do that because then at least you can get a house and stay where you are, live in the same place and then just rotate in the hospital. But Mm -hmm. then if you have to rotate across the country, that's that's so hard yeah how how do you even how do you even like choose your rotations is that a thing yeah it's like um I think you have to rank it's um they've recently changed it so before depending on your exam scores and stuff you'd get like your first choice and if you didn't do very well you'd get like your bottom choice or something but then now it's different I think it's like they randomly allocate everyone yeah um you can still rank your choices like you can have your first choice as London but it's going to be random now so it's not based on your exam performance which there's a lot of debate about that at the moment I see it all the time on Twitter like some people think it's good that it's random and then some Mm -hmm. people don't think it's fair well I I saw like how the percentages of people who got first at their first place choice 
um, was higher. So if it's random, then it kind of puts less pressure on them to do well. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's good overall. I think it's good as well. I mean, some people make this argument that like, oh, I've worked hard to try and get to the top and get my top choice. But like, we've all worked hard. We're all medical mm-hmm. students. Like, it's not an easy, it's not easy at all. Like every single one of us has worked hard. So I think we all deserve an equal chance of getting our first choice. I, I think that as well. If it leads to more people being happy that they got first choice um, in the end, then it really doesn't matter because it just benefits more people. If you get what I mean. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so my third question about CVL is when you talk about admin issues, oh my god, I heard this so much. People are like, oh, like the admin in my medical school is so shit. Like, what does that even mean? Basically, basically, you'll you'll be okay, they'll tell you, go to this hospital at this time, you're with this doctor. You'll go to the hospital at that time. Turns out the doctor's not worked there for like five years. They're on annual <laughs> leave. They're not in the country. They're on holiday. Like the admin issues are basically like, there's so many people in our year group, for example, at Newcastle, it's like 300, 300 plus people in each year group. So trying to tell everyone to go to like different hospitals and different wards, it's hard to coordinate 300 different doctors for them to go with. So there's always going to be issues with like one doctor's on holiday, one doctor's not there. It's just... I think it's because it's so many people. I'm sure with smaller medical schools, they maybe don't have that issue. Mm. Um, but yeah, the admin is a huge thing. Like that is just inevitable at any big med school, I think. How was your like personal experience? Like talk to me about the most like frustrating teeth and nail like <laughs> situation that you've had. Yeah, literally last year, I was in year three. I was on my mental health block. It was going quite well. I'd seen like a lot of cool things in the hospital, like some patients, like you said, with schizophrenia, some patients with psychosis. Like I was quite enjoying it. I'd, I'd seen some cool stuff. Um, so then they put me on this clinic in like the middle of nowhere. Like I had to drive like an hour and a half to get to this placement. I remember the doctor's name. I won't say it, but I was with Dr. So-and-so. Went there. Turns out he's not worked at that clinic for like two years. And they didn't have any other doctors there on the day. And I was like, okay, so all the doctors are off. The doctor I'm meant to be with isn't here. Thankfully, I just stayed and worked with some of the healthcare assistants and just saw what they did and helped them out. But um, yeah, like imagine if imagine if no one was there for me to work with. That just would have been insane. Like I, I drove an hour and a half to get there. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I, I mean, we have a group chat, which is nice. So after my placement, I put it in the group chat that like, by the way, if anyone's with this doctor like maybe email beforehand or see what's going on because I don't think he's going to be there um so I put a heads up for everyone else but yeah that was ridiculous that was the worst one that's the kind of you do you commute with anyone like an hour and a half um sometimes so yeah if I'm in so my hospital now is only half an hour away which is nice um that one I normally commute with one of my flatmates and then yeah as I said in our group chat sometimes people just put a message in like is anyone going to this place I need a lift and then if I'm going to that place as well I'll just give them a lift um oh yeah speaking of flatmates what do you think how do you think like living with medical students is kind of like yeah do you know what I get so jealous when people don't live with medical students because it's it's all fun and games like it's it's so good when you get to like revise together practice together but it it can be really intense sometimes like during exam season there's like no breaks everyone's got their heads down no one's like having fun no one's watching Netflix no one's in the living room it's just like I, f- I just feel like it's constant intensity. I don't know, I guess <laughs> during like the summer, maybe it's going to be nicer when we can all like chill out together and exams are over. But it's just really intense when you're all working no, hard. I no, was, I was thinking it's going to be fun. You know, I'm going to have the Krebs cycle on like the fridge or something. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Talk to me no. about like how like arranging plans with your 
medical student friends are um it's nice because we all get it like I think sometimes we, we all understand that we're busy it's hard to get a time together where we're all free um so it's nice to have that understanding weekends are normally fine for everyone but sometimes people have jobs or like sports that they do um yeah it's a lot of back and forth in the group chat trying to make plans like that is really hard I think it normally works if we make something in a, like in advance like a month ahead of time or something <laughs> yeah no, it ha- it's that bad yeah it, it's quite tough sometimes because we're all on different like schedules but I think it's fun because you can relate to each other and they're always there yeah, to talk if you like have a bad day no I was just gonna say um like I know I, I made out as if it's bad but it is good because you can all revise mm-hmm. together it's just like sometimes you feel like you feel guilty if you want to take a break like oh everyone else is yeah. in their room working I should probably work as well like that's the only downside mm-hmm. but the rest are just upsides I'd say yeah because in sixth form I felt I feel like since I wasn't really living with any of my like friends it wasn't like oh the competition is always in my head it's it's just I don't Mm. see it physically but now that you're in medical school it's like it's actually hitting you yeah like you're living with the competition so well I I mean it's so toxic I don't see it in that way but I'm sure some people no you don't see it you don't see it in that way but at the end of the day it's kind of like um you're going to feel a bit guilty if you're not working and they are no, exactly that. Yeah, that's literally me. <laughs> it's it's a little it's a little like <laughs> devil and angel on your shoulder. Literally. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I have another question, which is: so most students finished interviews at this point. What would you tell the students who have finished, and what should they do from this time, from interviews to results day? So first of all, if you have done an interview. I mean, that in itself is a huge achievement. Every single year, there's thousands of people who don't get any interviews, let alone the chance to just sit one or two or three or four. Um, so massive, like, well done for that. I know it can be nerve wracking, like waiting to hear back for results and offers and stuff, um, because that was literally me lo- not long ago. But what I would say is like, get it all out your system, like speak to your mum, your best friend, whoever, and like, talk about how it went. If you feel like it went well, then discuss that or not, then vent about how it didn't go well. But don't dwell on it too much like literally it's going to be a few weeks like just spend that time revising and working hard for your a-levels which around the corner in a couple months I'd say don't stress about it too much because even at med school there's so many different like exam results we have to wait for applications you send out like we've got interviews for other things like it's just going to be a consistent part of your career if you do do medicine where you're going to have to like wait for results or wait for offers so don't get into the habit of getting stressed during that time like try and just focus on other things and focus on your exams so okay I remember oh my gosh from a personal perspective I was (laughs) I was on the student room like every fucking minute every fucking minute girl it was like a permanent tab (laughs) oh my god that's how you know yeah it was like the Sheffield the Newcastle like this uni specific ones um yeah and then once there was a reply it would be like um did anyone get an offer like it was just going around my head and it was so unhealthy like I I swear it's just not healthy it's toxic low-key like it's just gonna if you are someone who's anxious it's gonna make you even more anxious like it's gonna be in the back of your mind like I promise you'll probably do better in your exams if you just like brush Mm -hmm. it away and like focus on other things or even focus on just like chilling out for a bit you probably worked hard to get a mock interview to get um an interview and then all your mocks as well your mock interviews like give yourself a bit of a break to be honest and like relax for a little bit and then you can get back into revision yeah like at the end of the day it doesn't really help it doesn't benefit you in any way if you just keep checking these 
forums. A lot of the time as well, it's um for unis, it's not about the highest scoring interviewer down to the lowest. It's mm. about like a, on a rolling basis on maybe it could be chronological order, like yeah. names. Exactly. Um, but it won't do anyone any benefit if they just <laughs> if they just like try to scrutinize the process and yeah um just let them do their job you know let the school take as long as they want but you'll know before may i remember i was still waiting back on bristol in may <laughs> when oh i was gosh. doing my a-level exams yeah so i was just like no nah, i don't want bristol anymore man <laughs> so late yeah, no, you have that stress hanging on you. Oh my god! And I might be, I might be wrong, but I'm sure there's yeah. some trolls in the TSR. Like when in my year, there were people just lying about things, and I'm like, surely not. Like, sure you, surely mm. not. You've heard back that soon. Do you know what I mean? So I think don't believe everything you see in there. Some of it's not true. Exactly. A lot of people just want to intimidate, um, or or be like, I got lower in the UCAT than you, but I still got yeah. an interview. You know. Gosh, yeah, no, you can't, you can't believe everything in there. I remember in our year, we had some girl lying about getting interviews and offers. Turns out she's not even like a med applicant. She was like a grown up, like 23, 24. Yeah, it's full of weirdos in there. Not everyone's telling the truth. No, but no way people care that much. I can't lie. Literally, she's probably like, bless her, she's probably like a reject or something. And she wants to like mess other people around. No, like get a job, get a job. (laughs) Literally, I know. Yeah, but honestly, speaking of rejects, um, I've had a few like teachers that were medical school rejects and on the whole were very like patronizing towards me. Oh, have you had that experience though? Like with no to be fair my school didn't know much about medicine mm-hmm. um my, my school didn't my sixth form did a little bit but they were still a bit clueless as well but mm-hmm. gosh that's quite sad that they were like bitter towards you yeah they wouldn't predict me a star but guess who got it in the end <laughs> oh I'm glad you did you showed them results day they were like oh I knew you had it in you all along bitch <laughs> why didn't you predict me then yeah like <laughs> shut the fuck up but yeah some <laughs> teachers just hate to see people succeed honestly <laughs> yeah gosh are you at your like grown age like you're a grown-up grown age exactly yeah Jesus. <laughs> but like speaking of um would you say <clears throat> your experience as a widening participation student you said how your school didn't have much experience about medical school students um getting students into medical school how would you say that affected your you had to do a lot of your um research yourself was that a thing? Yeah, literally, because they because they didn't know a lot. Like I'd ask about the UCAN, they'd be like, "What's that?" I I literally felt like I'm gonna have to know so much on my own. I'm gonna have to research the hell out of stuff. Like I was literally like um, a medical school applicant addict. Like I was researching everything I could to try and learn mm-hmm. because I was like, if the school isn't gonna tell me, I need to know it by myself so that by the time I get into sixth form, I'm like ready. Thankfully, my sixth form, they were a bit more clued up and they knew a bit more. But um, yeah, literally, I was obsessed. Like, because because I think from year 10, I wanted, I knew I wanted to do medicine. So from that late age onwards, like, I tried my best to do, like, really good in my GCSEs. And then I was, like, researching alongside it. So it was quite early on for me. I don't know if everyone else makes that decision in, like, year 10, 11 time. But I was actually constantly researching. Mm, I made it. I made my decision after year 11 so I was Mm -hmm. quite late actually I actually actively hated on medicine before that (laughs) I was was like six years is too long but now it's not even six years it's like five plus two plus three to seven plus gap years that people take all the time so at this point it's you have to love it (laughs) 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and people make out as if five years is a long time, but for other careers, you know, yes, it's a three year degree, but you probably need a couple more years anyway to get like, you know, masters or like get the experience to get a good job. Mm -hmm. So I think medicine's probably like on par with everything else. It just looks different because the degree is longer. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Because I just realized a lot of like engineering, like STEM degrees, you do need a PhD. So you made a good point. And I mean, a lot of them, you need like, you know, one year's experience, 12 months. Do you know what I mean? Like you need something else. Whereas medicine, literally, like once you graduate, you can go anywhere in the country. Mm. Loki could go like anywhere in the world once you've got the foundation years as well. So, Mm -hmm. And kind of like the work experience is built into your curriculum a little bit. So you've got that going for you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're we're secure. Yeah, we're secure. Um, In the least patronizing way possible not trying to be like rude here do you think lower a level grades reflected your medical school performance well do you know what that's a good question because I feel like people no one would ever say at med school but people are probably definitely like thinking it deep down um I don't think it did to be honest like in my first couple years year one and two in my exam results I was actually like bang on average but my a level grades were probably below average for medicine because I got aab whereas everyone else probably got way above that um and if anything in year four now I know it's a few years on from year one but I was literally like in the top 50 people in my year group and Mm -hmm. I got like 80 percent in my exams which is a lot it's a lot higher than what a lot of people got and I think you know if you have in the back of your mind that you've got low low a level grades that doesn't at all mean that you won't do well at med school like you definitely can um I think it takes a bit of trial and error to figure out what revision techniques work because the A-level techniques definitely don't work at med school. But um, no, I don't think A-level grades limit you at all. Mm, I love that. You're you're kind of like the poster example of how like continuity of progressing and academics in general is so important. And I love that your TikToks reflect that as well. Like you're you're just a role model to everyone who's who's got like, oh, I've got shit A level, so I've got this going. So do I. Yeah. No, exactly. It's not gonna stop you, like I promise. Mm. What would be your like final words for someone who's just waiting on their offers? Um, I'd say that if you're waiting for your offers, honestly, like take a moment out for yourself a couple days a week even just to have some self-care or like do what you enjoy um and honestly just trust that you've probably done your best I know we always look back on our interviews and think I should have said this I should have said that I was nervous I started my words but like the interviewer can see through all of that and like you probably put your best foot forward um I know not everyone believes in it but I do think everything happens for a reason so honestly just trust that you've done the best that you can and I'm sure that the results will pay off Mm. also when you said um trust trust that you've done everything you can um this is a bit of a side side question but I know some some people would say like in order to do medicine successfully you have to believe that patients who die have have gone somewhere like afterlife or something and I feel like that was quite an interesting topic uh I personally am not religious but what are your opinions on that um yeah empathy is definitely important I'd say I don't think you have to believe in like an afterlife or you have to believe in like um like I know there's a lot of ethical debates about euthanasia and where we go afterwards and stuff you definitely don't have to be that involved in that sort of thing like even in like a med school exams point of view like that that never really came up in any of my exams like (laughs) euthanasia and afterlife and stuff um it's like a, a nice thing to bring up in an interview if you can show that you've got empathy in that way 
Um, but I guess they care more about can you put yourself in the patient's shoes and like see things from their point of view rather than you actively believe in a certain thing. They're not going to mark you up or down for that. So yeah, that's fine. I, I love that. So you personally don't believe in it, but it does help for some people to kind of detach their emotions from the patient a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so final question is about Newcastle Medical School. So you went in through the partners program. Be an ambassador for a few minutes and talk about how that benefited you, how it helped you, and what are the boundaries to get in? Oh, the boundaries, yeah. So I genuinely, I know I've said I've said a lot of negative stuff, I feel like. <laughs> really really recommend the partner scheme like I've actually got nothing negative to say about it so in terms of requirements it's essentially for year 13 so you send the application it's just like a lot of um, tick boxy things and like fill out your name address and that sort of thing and you fill that out alongside your UCAS application and um, it's everyone who qualifies so if you kind of have a low-income background you were in care um minority like if you tick one box you'll probably get in it's not that hard to get in and then what happens is okay so you're, so you're a partner's applicant and you then do this summer school in year 13 like after your exams are over you don't know your results you don't know if you've got in yet but they invite you to the med school for like a week and you literally live like a medical student mm. it's so so good like it was so much fun one of the girls that I did the partner's summer school with um we got along straight away like I literally live with her now like we're still friends to this day so oh, you'll, make, so you'll make so many friends yeah you'll make so many friends and like you also get a bit of a head start at the in terms of the medical school content because what you learn about in the partner's summer school you learn about um I think six weeks into actual medical school so you would have already covered it and you already know what you're going to learn so I thought it was so good we do actually have an exam on that summer school though like mm. you've already done your A-levels already gone through all that trauma and they give you another exam but thankfully that exam wasn't too bad and it's like based on everything that you've learned that week so wait so the exam is it really like an exam exam or would you say it's more informal Mm, it's kind of formal yeah they I mean they put you in the room they you know how they like social distance all the chairs yeah is it social distance I don't know oh shit <laughs> in silence like it's not open book you do have to like remember stuff mm. I remember everyone else in the summer school because it's not just medicine it's like all the other courses and stuff um they were all going out the last night because it's like oh yeah last night like, let's go out and then we were all revising for the test the next day <laughs> <laughs> So it was like it is it is serious because you do have to pass the exam I think to get accepted but oh. the, the threshold is really low I don't think it's that hard no but that experience of people just going out before it's kind of preparing you for the medical school experience yeah, yeah I was gonna say that I mean that is that's what happens now yeah so yeah uh, so, so you just don't go out often as much as you did when you were first year yeah first year I went out quite a bit like because of freshers and stuff like there's there's literally so much going on like you couldn't go to everything even if you tried like <laughs> which is good I highly recommend going out as much as you can because you won't have time for it later on um but yeah I think whenever I go out now when we plan like a month in advance and we make a date for something um I do really enjoy it because I, I do it less if you know what I mean so I make the most of it oh that's so lovely and yeah that is it for today. We got through all oh, the questions yeah. and I got my side questions in and it's been so great talking to you. Like just a oh, thank you. just an upfront conversation. Oh bless. <laughs> um yeah, thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure so many people would love 
your insights and love to hear from you, um, especially since you're so established already in the medical community. Oh. So I'm really grateful to have you here. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on the Medic Mornings podcast today. Um, thank you, Christina, for being here. Thank you. If you want to see more episodes, you can check my podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you're listening on, and give it a rating if you enjoyed it. Uh, I often post Q&As on my Medic Mornings Instagram, at Medic Mornings. So if you would like to check that out, that's in the description as well. Um, and follow me on Instagram at the mediocre doctor because yeah, just follow it because I'm <laughs> just because I'm a cool person. Yeah, Christina, would you like to put your socials? I'll put them in the description as well. Um, yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm just Christina Alia on TikTok and on YouTube and on Instagram. I think ah, that's so that's so much better than I put it. But yeah, <laughs> you just got consistent handles through and through. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Bye bye. Wow, that was so much fun.